0: A season of controversy, isn't it? (laughs) The word that best described how I felt after unbowed, unbent, unbroken is deflated. It's too bad because the acting was great and maybe too great in that final scene, and it raises questions that we might feel uncomfortable about. Preparing today's episode has been more difficult than any other, including book topics that, that I've covered in the past, and part of that is because it's generated such a strong emotional reaction and a lot of it's been negative. It's hard to be analytical and emotional at the same time. So this episode review will be a little bit different in tone because it's only been a, it's been less than a day since the episode aired and, you know, that's not a full amount of time to kind of settle on things. It's already sometimes difficult for us to analyze everything we want to get to before an episode in limited time we have. We rush and we try to figure out everything possible and we try to take into account all these listener, all these watchinger feedbacks and great questions. So it's a bit of a challenge, but... This has been a little bit more of a challenge, but no, no doubt we're still going to have a lot of fun with it. We're going to be critical where we need to be critical, and we're going to stray away from the topics that we just don't want to deal with too much, because they're not as fun. But we're not going to avoid anything entirely. We're definitely going to cover everything. Because, really, the point, again, this is a good time to reemphasize the whole point. This is a fandom. This is a, This is Game of Thrones. It's supposed to be fun. It's not fun to talk about things that you don't like, so we're going to stick to the good, And we'll cover the stuff that we didn't like as much, but we're going to spend more time on the stuff we liked, because that's more fun, and that's what we're here for. So welcome again to an episode of History of Westeros podcast, the podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's The Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones. Of course, HBO's Game of Thrones is our main topic, our only topic of today. We will not be making any book references like we do in all of our other types of episodes. If you're looking for book reviews... Check out our book to show review, which will be out uh, at r- r- roughly 48 hours to 20, 24 to 48 hours after this one. And of course, we have in our catalog quite a few other book oriented episodes on a variety of topics, both present to Game of Thrones and past in the history of Westeros, as we are called. So Sean, what about you? Did this episode have like a different feel for you, or a different tone? Did it did it leave you feeling a little different than you normally do after, or or was that just me and, and maybe some other people in the fandom?
1: Obviously, it kind of ended on a, a dark moment, but the show's got lots of dark moments. True. And uh, I certainly have like several circles of friends that I talk about the show with, but I don't have as good a feel for the online uh, presence. I kind of avoid it because I don't want to be spoiled about stuff. That's pretty smart. Um, <laughs> And so I don't necessarily have this perspective of a negative reaction happening. I guess I can see it, but uh, I want to point out, by the way, it's, I, I like the idea that you say, uh, you know, there might be some negative stuff, but we don't want to dwell on it too much. We want to focus on the fun. Yeah. But the thing is, fun really pisses me off. <laughs> God, Sorry, I you know. had to wait right until I was taking a drink, didn't you? <laughs> I uh, I obviously I like to have fun, but to me, I don't want it to all be happy and perfect, you know what I mean, as Mm -hmm. I also want to criticize the things that I think that they're doing poorly. And also, I will say, here's a thought that I've I've kind of hinted at before. It's maybe getting a little more clear in my mind. Sometimes I wonder, what are we watching for? Is it that I can't wait to see what Ramsay does this episode? (laughs) Or I can't wait to see what the writers of Game of Thrones do this episode? Hmm. That's uh, important to distinguish, maybe, or maybe it's not important to distinguish, but worth considering the difference between... And I will say, obviously, the, the bit with Ramsey is very dark, but it's not like he just now got dark. Oh, wow. Well, Game of Thrones got dark. Uh, you yeah, know, we all knew something yeah. bad was in store for Sansa, um,
0: uh, unless something, you know, yeah. interrupted it. I mean, I was process. hoping
1: it wouldn't, but it seemed like I was. You remember, I was like so worried that yeah. Littlefinger, I can't believe Littlefinger would do this to her. Maybe it won't be that bad. I guess we'll have to see. And I kept having this hope that.
0: John Snow would show up and say, or I don't." <laughs> yeah. Dion would
1: kill Ramsey and yeah, sad to say, that could uh, have
0: been. It could have been a lot worse than it was. Yeah, they 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 have shown a willingness to go pretty far with with uh, being, you know, kind of gross or or making people feel uncomfortable. It's 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 a rea- it's a reaction. We we're supposed to feel emotional about some of these things, and the way that the way that a show can make you feel. It's interesting, it it does show that they're doing, at least they're doing something right, you know, in some sense, if they're making you have a reaction, other than just hating it. You know, if you just say, oh, I hate this, then that's not the reaction they're looking for, and that's not a good reaction. But there's something to be said for looking to yourself and saying, why do I feel this way? Why does it make me feel this way? Why are we reacting this way? I'm not saying you ask yourself that question because you think you might be wrong in the way you reacted or the way I reacted, but it is interesting to, to look at our own psychology and how these things impact us. So, but aside what, from that, which I assume we'll talk about more, yes. if we're
1: going to like go through the, the scenes of the, the episode or whatever, absolutely. But I want to, but as we're touching on it, I think to me what was I was a little more bothered by as far as a analysis of the show. Was the scene with the sand snakes and Dorn and Jamie and everything? I thought that was just kind of like poorly executed action, maybe even poorly written scene, and that was that part was like uh, not as disturbing, yeah, but more bothersome to me, right? Uh, as far as my fandom of the show, you know. So I think
0: that's a a fairly widely held opinion that there are people who reacted strongly to the Santa scene. Because of the emotional reaction and because it was just something that made people uncomfortable. It was very well acted, which served to only increase the amount of emotional reaction it got from us viewers. But like you say, the Sandstake scene was was just kind of bad. (laughs) So, or the Dornish scene was just kind of bad, which is a different kind of problem. Um, Certainly... In a lot of ways, it's a worse kind of problem as far as enjoying a TV show. Although, if there was a Rape Every episode, I certainly wouldn't be into this show. Yeah. And that is one of the complaints that it's been done enough times. But like you said, we'll get more into that in in the order. We're going to start with... Here, I'll give you guys a quick rundown of how this episode is going to run. We're going to talk about the House of Black and White. Then we're going to go to the near Valyria area, wherever Jorah and Tyrion really are. It's kind of unspecified, somewhere in between Volantis and marine. (laughs) Then we're going to talk about Dorne, then King's Landing. We'll also talk about a King's Landing, a lot of different things happening there. Then we're going to talk about Winterfell, of course, which we've already touched on briefly. Then we're going to go through another good set of questions. We've got a lot of good, you guys are doing a really good job sending us good questions, predictions, catching things that we missed, which is great, which is really important given what I said at the beginning of this episode about only having about a day to prepare this episode, it's hard to make sure we catch all the details in an, ep- in an hour-long episode of TV that's, that's known for being subtle and having a lot of things going on in the background. It's, it's pretty hard to get all that together in such a short time. Short time. So we really are thankful to people for helping us catch things that we might have otherwise missed. So we're going to continue with the questions and after that we'll do our credits and after the credits we'll do our standard procedure of reviewing the trailer so if you don't want to be spoiled on bits that were in the trailer don't listen past the credits we'll announce that again when the time comes in the meantime enjoy the episode let's get started with aria in the house of black and white so, the, one of the first things we have is she's cleaning a lot of bodies. We've kind of been introduced that concept already. She, I guess she's getting more used to it, and we see it's kind of a montage almost. It's a very dark montage, all these different bodies that she's cleaning. What kind of reaction did you get from that scene? What, what was that making you think about? Oh, again, I'm at, mostly
1: in the House of Black and White. I'm thinking about the nature of, you know, how people are or should be inducted into something. So how training works, you know, what's going through her mind, what's expected of her
0: um this might have been a little more what were so, looking for earlier huh
1: yeah uh and you know it even got better we get we, we see some amount of mentoring and explanation coming and you know i don't know i, I again I, I wonder about the nature of leadership and training and stuff i i feel like it's poor but maybe that's part of the routine maybe they're like pushing to see how long before she snaps before she asks the question the nature of how she asks it might change how they answer it um definitely but uh it's uh, nothing else. It's uh, it's intriguing and tension
0: building. You know this process that she's going through. So. Very dark. It's one thing about. One thing that was interesting about this episode from a high from a high view is that both the Stark girls, every scene they were in was dark. The setting was dark. They were either in a, you know in these dark well poorly lit rooms or outside at night or way deep in this wherever you know deep in this temple <laughs> in this huge room. And that, that certainly, and that's contrasted by these outdoor scenes at Dorne and in Valyria, where they're out under the sun and stuff. Let me
1: point out it's it was dark in King's Landing too. The meeting with Cersei and uh, Littlefinger was very poorly lit. Uh, yeah,
0: except for that, there were the, some out some that one brief scene out, outside with Lancel and, and Littlefinger. But other than that, yeah. you're right. There were a lot of a lot of darkness. The scene with Olenna and Cersei was pretty dark. And I think I wonder if how
1: much by design that is. You know, I wonder if they decided this is going to be a dark season. Lower the lighting, close rooms, one window. Let's you know add to the tone of the darkness. You
0: know? That's the kind of thing that's really big in TV and movies that goes on behind the scenes that some of us aren't super aware of. We're subconsciously aware of it because we. That's why they do it. They they do these things to. Some people notice it and say, "Oh, the color grade is like." Achea's our 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 other co-host is is very keyed into that, and she makes a lot of great observations about that. I personally have started to notice those things because of her and you and, and and being more on top of cinematic techniques and stuff like that and it is really interesting to notice those things and to notice when they change it yeah, yeah. and and when they they want it's almost like back in the in the 60s it was a, these these techniques were a little more straightforward for example in the old the old Batman show with Adam West they would literally whenever Batman and Robin were on camera the camera would be focused on them straight. But when they would show the bad guy, the camera would deliberately turn sideways. You'd be seeing them at crooked, and it's almost like, oh, they're crooks. The <laughs> <A> crooked <laughs> angle is almost like a pun. But, the, but it's a very clever thing. Most people wouldn't even notice that they're seeing that that way. But subconsciously, you're told you, something in your brain says, these are bad, bad guys. Not that you didn't know that they were bad guys. But it just adds to the, the feeling of the scene. And, and Game of Thrones does a lot of that. Sometimes it, doesn't, it, it, it misses, but usually it does a good job. It's the
1: type of thing, too, that you could you know have the good guys straight all the time and a bad guy's in an awkward a tilted camera angle yeah but if you could have a bad guy who maybe is in disguise or hasn't been revealed as a bad guy but he's still prevent presented with the tilted camera angle it's like a clue a subtle Mm -hmm. clue that you can give to a viewer that this guy
0: might be something up that's pretty neat so (coughs) let's talk about this 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 conversation with the with we call her the waif because that's her name in, in the book yeah, I've doesn't been really a, have a name. So we'll just call her the Waif, because we don't know what else to call her. The, I didn't even want to call her the girl, because he
1: keeps calling Arya the <laughs> girl. and Because uh, that's kind of how my note-taking works, is like by
0: write all the characters yeah, like, down. I don't know how to
1: write her down, yeah.
0: So we'll just call her the Waif, for the heck of it, because we don't have anything else to, to call her. And this scene was a little... started off slightly awkwardly. I was wondering, why is she opening up to Arya all of a sudden with this story? You know, she hates... she doesn't seem to like Arya at all. And then... Yeah, I don't
1: I don't want to sound too snooty, but I kind of saw that coming a mile okay. away I was like oh, clearly this isn't who she really is. She's I still was kind of stewing on it after she kind of revealed it. I was wondering how much of what she told Arya was what Arya wanted to hear because it was sort of a story of revenge, a kind of a, a helpless girl taking things in her own hand, kind of how Arya, you know, which I think makes Arya more likely to swallow it, you yes. know. Yes. She was smiling, which as you heard the story her was her like, yeah, like, you get yeah, revenge. You, get you revenge. Get go revenge. girl,
0: you know. Yeah. That was really well done. Also, the way the music changed. Her, her demeanor changed all of a sudden. Like, did you believe me? You know, and the music changes right with it. And it was like, whoa, nice, good one. And Ari's like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Like, you believed? Did you believe what I told you? Did you, <laughs> you believed every word of that? You know, and it's like, well played. Well played, mm-hmm. Waif. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have a, a similar type of scene where it's the whole judgment of truth-telling, but it's kind of flipped, where Jaken. Again, we'll just call him because <laughs> so That's the only name he's been given at this point. And he's asking her who she is. And, and we have the. He's hitting her with a switch whenever she lies. And of course, as we see, he pick, catches her in every single lie she tries to tell. What did you think about the fact that she kept trying to lie to him, even though she knew? What does that
1: say? Well, I was wondering a couple things. One, I was wondering if they were attempts at lying to see if she could get away with it mm-hmm. or if they were lies she was telling because she didn't want to tell the whole truth in the first place or maybe even like errors because she was kind of like rapid fire stuff she might have just misspoke something you know but what i thought was most interesting by that about that all by far i, I just really loved it when she's like i hated him smacks her that's oh, a lie yeah, that was really you it was like some combination of you almost have to assume that this guy just actually knows the truth, he just <laughs> knows it, you know. And he did seem to every time she said something, it wasn't true. By the way, minor side note, it could be interesting to talk about the difference between truth and lie. If you uh, defining those things, can be very difficult, you know. Yes. But, um, and maybe that'll be an aspect of all this. And it's called the House of Black and White, and maybe there's you know, uh. <laughs> Anyway, the, the idea that on some level he was questioning the truth of whether or not she hated Sandor. you know, I, That was very cool.
0: Good way to bring that up, too, because yeah. you know that it, it, it's, it's, it's important to get her feelings on Sandor. We never really get that. And this is a great way to bring that back and to, to explore those feelings and to bring it on screen in a way that wasn't awkward. So I thought that was really well done. I like that scene a lot. Now we go farther. She kind of gets it's like she's leveled up <laughs> in her training mm-hmm. and gets shown this big well, huge creepy room full of faces. So I definitely need to hear your reaction to the room of we'll call it the room of many faces. The <laughs> many faced god. Is, is this a is that a play on words or is that
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I was, I was particularly curious, but I
0: was mostly just kind of like accepting it, trying
1: to put you know, observe this thing that's been presented to us. Uh, and uh, But the one question I kind of linger in my mind, because we see like these faces of all these people, and we sort of assume these bodies that have been getting clean, that's where they're headed to. Yeah. But I wonder, where are the bodies? Why are they like cleaning the fingernails and everything? If they just had the heads mounted, I don't know if that really matters or not, but that was like the thing in my mind, is that I was wondering if maybe every body was like laid out, with the head just propped up in the front. And there's these torsos going
0: out, going back behind all these pillars and that columns. Creepy. Uh, but creepy. Um, how do you suppose they get to the top? it was like, we need that one. <laughs> like, climb the face ladder <laughs> <laughs> to get it. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's so... I thought the room was a little bit too big. <laughs> well, yeah, like, it
1: makes you wonder how many crap. bodies come through there a day. How many days a body's been coming through there. You figure a lot of people die. <laughs>
2: yeah. but how many of them die and come there yeah
0: um, that is unclear I, I thought and of course before the scene we have Arya giving the gift to this young girl and I wasn't sure what was going to happen there I wasn't sure if Arya was like overstepping her authority whether she should have gone to go get jake in and be like hey this is out this is beyond my pay grade you know i'm not the one who can deal out death yet i'm just you know i'm kind of new here (laughs) but she did it and she didn't get admonished for it so i Mm -hmm. guess she did it right
1: and uh, i also feel like she did what the girl had done to her she kind of said what she wanted to hear like oh your father loves you you'll be happy here you know i understand what it's like you know
0: it seemed like a lot of times Aria was faced with these little tests and I couldn't decide what was the correct thing to do. Like she's supposed to follow through that door or is it a test to see if she'll behave? Right. And just, you know, do what, stay in the room and, and, you know, not be tempted by that open door.
1: What you said just there is the problem that I have, that I've talked about a couple times about that, that type of indoctrination is it, it's the type of thing where you can be wrong no matter what. And I even on some level accept that that might even be a legitimate way to train, but I just don't like that. I don't like the idea of that. I'm reminded of the scene in Full Metal Jacket. Do you remember Full Metal Jacket? There's a <laughs> I I I I know I'm not going to... I wish I would like gone back and watched it just so I could talk about it better, but there was a scene where... One of the soldiers, I think it was the main character, said when they're in the basic training scenario, and he said something about God or Mary or Jesus or going to hell when you die or something like that. The drill sergeant made some religious reference. Yeah. And uh, the soldier made a comment back that kind of indicated that he didn't believe that. And so the drill sergeant starts laying into him about, he switches gears, he's mad at him because he didn't clean the gun right or whatever, and now he's yelling because he doesn't believe in Jesus. And he's like, da 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 And the private responds with something along the lines of, I feel that either way I answer is incorrect. Either you'll be mad at me for backing down from my beliefs or mad at me for not believing in the same God as you, mm. and I don't have a good answer. And at that point, the drill sergeant was like, you, you're fired. You're the new squad leader. You know, he kind of like <laughs> respected that he kind he of understood it. what was going on and made an attempt to stand up for himself and da-da-da-da. And showed, he showed
0: but, that he, he was thinking on his feet, too. He he, right. he perceived the, the situation despite this this drill sergeant being right in his face. I don't remember that scene, but that is a good parallel. I like that. Uh, but it is something that bothers me, and I think most people
1: watching that drill sergeant like put these soldiers in positions where they can't win no matter what they do. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes Ari is being put in situations where how do you know what like you're saying? What are you supposed? Are you supposed to take initiative? or Are you supposed to not not get in the way? And how are you mm. supposed to know what you're supposed to do? Have I been mean, given that kind of guidance, and um, so it, it bothers me when mentors put. There are protégés in those situations where it's hard to know what's correct. You could get in trouble or be uh, praised for either decision, and so I don't feel like you're actually learning anything. you know. So I, I have this tent of frustration going into it because I don't like that, that dynamic. Right, right. But I can see how it can be interesting. I can see how a character can rise out of that or whatever, and maybe that's what they want from Arya here.
0: And they need—it's it's, it's also a matter—it's also because this is their religion of sorts. It's also they want—they're more kind of demanding a bit of faith rather than yeah. just getting
1: along or what have you. And I can see a drill sergeant training a soldier that he knows is going to war. I can see a cult leader training a student who <laughs> he knows is going to be faced with killing, okay? Yeah. Maybe they're going to encounter a lot of situations where there's not a correct decision, or you can't know what the correct decision is, and so you have to have some mechanism for dealing with it or making the decision. And maybe that's what's being cultivated here. Right. I don't know.
0: Well, the last scene or the last moment of Arya's combined set of scenes is Jake and telling her, "You're not ready to be no one, but you might ready to be someone else." Which is that make kind of kind of thinking about it. In retrospect, it kind of makes sense that you would that be part of the journey to get there. And you have to practice being... You have to know what it's like to be somebody else before you can truly... Before you can have the perspective on on being nobody. It kind of makes sense to me in a, in a metaphysical kind of way. And so I, thought, I, I appreciated the way they left it. And, um, of course, I'm looking forward to what happens next. Well, that was a pretty cool way to leave it. What did you think about the idea of her being somebody else? And do you have any idea, predictions or thoughts on... Who else she might be or what kind of... It could be that she's already... They're already going to go send her out to kill somebody or they could just have her do some really mundane task in someone else's face, wearing somebody else's face just to get used to being, like, I don't know, street beggar or just some common laborer or, you know, working in some palace as well, some sort of other... There's a lot of possibilities. Maybe she'll
1: just be able to play that game without getting beat up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Because I, I, I think that's one interesting thing about what they seem to be expecting from her is the more general life experience you have I think the better you'll be at this the better mm. the more stories you know you the more things you can incorporate into your made up story about your character the that's, more yes. you know about how uh, people's characters and personalities work the better you'll be able to appeal them right. appeal to them when you tell the story to tell them what they want to hear and that's a great point better, like you know? for,
0: for example if you're if she's just Arya of, uh, Arya of House Stark and her only life experience is in the north I mean she's been to King's Landing all, but let's just pretend she'd only ever been in the north how is she going to learn how to act like a Southerner or act yeah. like someone from Bravos yeah. if she's never like experienced that? So it, that does make a lot of sense. All right, let's move on to what I'll call somewhere near Valyria. We've got Jorah and Tyrion. And this was another... This, I thought, was probably the best set of scenes from the episode, personally. I don't know if, if you would agree with that or not, but I really liked the, some of these background stories. Ian Glenn is Jorah. His facial acting was fantastic. There's a lot of really fantastic facial acting in this episode in general. And some good things came up. We were wondering if Tyrion would ever bring up that he met, that he knew the old bear. And that we got to see that. Mm. That was good. Um, so I'm glad to see that. What did you think about their trading stories and uh, the, the revelation about Gior Mormont being dead and all that? What, what was your general take on all that?
1: Uh, I thought it was interesting. It's neat to see these characters bonding. I, uh, again, I feel like there's a lot of tension building coming from this, you know? Like, uh, whatever all is going on, in the back of my mind, like, yeah, but Jorah has stone. <laughs> it has uh, grayscale, grayscale yeah. you know? Like... I'm kind of uh, wondering how it's going to go down. I I, in the same, I I also especially appreciate how Tyrion is kind of like, let's think how this is going to play out. Come on, Jorah, what's going to happen? We're going to get there, and she's gonna be like, oh, happy days, you're back, and you brought me <laughs> an <and> enemy <me> dwarf. <laughs> I, I think it's neat how Tyrion thinks ahead about what's going to happen, and uh, he's
0: making Jorah think about it too. Yeah,
1: and of course, makes the audience think about it. And yes, so,
0: which is a good good trick. Uh, and then it all gets. Kind of blows apart because they're not. Their plans are all gone awry now. They've been captured by Mr. Echo from Lost, and uh, he's so things are. And Tyrion once again talks his way out of it. Great moment. He's Tyrion. We're kind of used to Tyrion being able to talk his way through tough spots. It's fun. There's good comic relief there with the whole cock merchant comment and the whole guess again about you know it'll be a dwarf-sized cock good moments there good all around they get they really went all the way with with the good background stories the, some sadness with bringing back Gior and his his sad death and then we get these comedic moments but I thought the apart from the the big plot change and them getting taken by the slavers I thought a, the most poignant moment might have been Jorah's point of view on life based on what he's witnessed and saying, look, once you've seen a girl walk into the fire with petrified eggs and come out with dragons and you hear those dragons, you don't know what life is. You know, <laughs> that's not what he said exactly, but it's best basically kind of what he's saying. He's yeah. like, that changed my perspective. That is and and that is really interesting to me because it's one of the essences of Game of Thrones is perspectives. And that perspective, as long as I've been a I've read, you know, I've read the books. 15 years ago and and again many times since i never that never occurred to me about jorah that that is a driving force i just always did some caught up with the fact that he's in love with danny and that was to me that's just always been a driving force this actually gave him more depth even in my book version of him because i'm re i've rethought some of his his character characterization in the books now i'm like wow yeah he he was witness to that event and very few people were and few and and the only other named characters who were witness to that are Danny's blood riders. And the blood riders aren't in the show basically anymore. The only one blood rider that she really had in the show was killed in season two. So Jorah's really the only named witness to that. And it's really, really big. Like, if you witness something like that in the real world, that would totally change yeah, yeah. you. You know, obviously that's kind of a, a weird thing to imagine happening in the real world. But just any kind of thing that you see versus something that you hear about, it's a really big difference. And that's an important distinction for a lot of us book readers in terms of some of the other things that happened in this episode. Because there's a lot of awful things that happen in the books, objectively worse than some of the things we've seen. But when you see them on screen and you hear have great actors with their facial expressions in, in, in horror and expre- in, in cries of anguish, that really hits home. So that's a, that made that... Took me down quite a path of thinking. Just that one scene that, that um, I thought was great because it expanded on my love for the books as well, which is a hard thing for the show to do. I've only read the first book so far, so I don't know how Jorah's
1: character plays out beyond that because it, it ended on that note. So right. Um, I also want to, a couple other things I want to point out. Though one, I really like the comment that that Tyrion made when he says, "Doesn't mean she'll be a great ruler." And Jorah even conceded that point. It's like, ah, oh, you're right. Doesn't necessarily mean she'll be a great ruler. I still have that continuing thought, like I'm trying to put myself in Tyrion's shoes. Joy gives this, tells this story, this fantastic story, and you can see how that's going to affect his opinions and motivations and everything. But still, Tyrion hearing this story, I don't know if Tyrion's like, oh, really? You're right. Okay, yeah, I guess she's awesome and I'll just follow her anywhere now. Yeah. Tyrion is still going to be suspicious. He uh, didn't witness that event, right. and he doesn't
0: know that it would happen the way Jory says it did yeah. either.
1: He may believe it. He may have an extra level of understanding or acceptance. He saw a dragon, so he knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still doesn't
0: mean she's going to be a good ruler. It's true. None of that does, yeah. It does speak to... We've already got a supernatural world, so it's it's easy to believe in gods and fate and destiny, things like that. And for someone who witnesses something like that, the psychological impact is just going to be overwhelming. And... That seems to be the case with George. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've just, I'm, this is where I'm at. You know, I witnessed this event and doesn't, intellectualizing it doesn't change the fact that this was an incredible event that is life-changing and is going to affect him the rest of his life. However long that is, given Grayscale. <laughs> <laughs> so it does seem that they have, the other thing that's come out of the scene from the slavery, uh, from them getting taken by slavers, is that there's a direct... Like, their path to Marine is very clear now. The, the slavers have agreed to take them to Marine, to Slaver's Bay. That seems to be where they're going. So we can see uh, basically what's going to happen. Well, not after they get there, but we can see how the unity with Danny's is going to happen, at least in some, some way or another. It is uh, something to. A couple things. One is I
1: still wonder where Varys is right now. Is he like, <laughs> oh, Tyrion, where'd he go? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> like, I, I feel like he's got to on some level like quest after them i don't know if he continues on does he assume Tyrion is dead assume he's kidnapped and taken back to Cersei does he head back to King's Landing is he safe going back to King's Landing does he assume Tyrion is moving on to Danny anyway i like that seems like the farthest stretch for him i can't think what Varys would have to what would lead him to the conclusion that Tyrion's heading to Danny anyway and i'm concerned that Varys is gonna just show up with Danny anyway. Mm. Although, as I say, that he might still decide to go there. He might decide, you know what? It sucks that Tyrion's dead, captured, sent back to Cersei. But I still need to go counsel. Yeah, I still she Dany. She needs my so help. And I suppose know. Tyrion might show up. And especially Varys if he doesn't have.
0: She doesn't have Tyrion, especially. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: just kind of speculating forward, I I I've, I see that you know uh, an almost obvious thing that's gonna happen is. Danny's going to be presiding over the fights and gonna introduce <laughs> the next warrior and it's going to be Jorah. Oh, oh Jorah, oh, it'll be like this surprising thing for her and he'll win the combat and she'll, whatever the prize is, you know, I, I see that scene happening. I think that's, that's coming for sure, you know. And I just, as I think about it, if Varus is at danny's side when jorah comes in mm-hmm. and if he's except that i don't see how he can be presented as a slave because that's part of the thing right like no she only wants freeman fighting there so if these slavers maybe keep the fact that he's a slave secret or maybe if it's a we might quasi cooperative to let him fight and we won't kill you but yeah, you have to might... give us surprise money and Tyrion might be involved in negotiating something somehow. If they don't find a cock merchant
0: by then, <laughs> <laughs> we might find out that there's something else. You know, Danny's banned slavery, but it's still happening. You know, you got to yeah, figure that yeah. the slavers are not just going to be like, nah, or they're not going to be like, oh well, she said, and they don't do that, so we're not going to do that. Yeah. She obviously she she's got power, but she can't control what's happening in the other slaver cities for sure.
1: Also, wanted to point out, I don't know. You know, how much credit to give the writer slash director slash actor. But Peter Dinklage, I thought, did such a good job. Like, obviously, I know, don't cut off my cock, you know. But <laughs> specifically, a couple things. One, he didn't, can't fall back on, I'm a Lannister, I'll give you money, my dad will have your head. He, he doesn't have that fallback argument to make. It's the opposite uh, argument. If he points yeah. out that he's a
0: Lannister, they're like, oh, well, we'll go take you to Cersei. Assuming they've heard of yeah. that, which they may not have. But I assume they bad haven't. Bad risk to take. Yeah. Um...
1: <laughs> But regardless, I think that it it was good. I oftentimes think when someone's presented with death or something torturous, that they're just a little too accepting of it. Sometimes they're like honorable men who aren't going to go out like that. you know. But I think for the most part, most people, myself, I'd be screaming and struggling and poking eyes and kicking nuts and everything else ahead of (laughs) me. You're going to kill me anyway. I might as well be fighting you. What are you going to
0: yeah you make it worse so choke I mean, you know. me before you kill me because i'm fighting
1: back i would definitely like go all out to say anything do anything i could to save myself and i appreciate that Tyrion did like no no like stop uh listen how about uh they won't know where the cock came from like he was i, I, I appreciated speech. that scramble for his life that he made i think it was well captured between the acting and filming and writing and everything yeah right on in addition to having a bit of humor to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
0: really, it had everything. It had it had terror, it had good acting, it had comic relief, it had new characters that eh, probably won't stick around, but maybe they will. And, okay, so let's go ahead and move on to Dorne. First, you can shop at Amazon.com, go through our website, HistoryofWesteros.com. We've got a lot of great Game of Thrones merchandise and things like the 2016 Calendar, Episodes from past seasons, the, the Blu ray and DVD discs, as well as cool posters and mugs. I always have my Greyjoy mug. For once, I don't have it here today to, to flash it. It's so cool. Let us move on to dorne As we alluded to at the beginning of this episode, setting it up, we were not so happy with the scene. Unfortunately, the first appearance of the Sand Snakes was weak and it didn't get any better here. Arguably, it got worse. And, but there's still, there's some high points. There's some good things to talk about. I thought, I think we can all agree here uh, between the two of us. And a lot of you will agree that the action was kind of bad. Didn't really make sense. It wasn't choreographed well. And it made the Sand Snakes seem like poor fighters. Uh, two of them on Braun. Braun's a badass, but they're supposed to be badasses. And Jamie is not. And yet, Jamie was able to hold off Obara that whole time. Which I just... It just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that, so it's just a lot of flaws with the, the action. But hey, TV show action is rarely good. Even, even in this show, it it's often takes liberties with reality that we're all just kind of used to. We all just kind of say, eh, well, that's TV show action. That's how it's done. So there's not much to say about that. It wasn't that well done. Oh, well. Uh, what, what else happened in this, in this scene? What do you think about Tristane and Marcella? That's a new... Kind of, we, we kind of knew that there was something going on with them, that there might have been a real romance. Now it's confirmed. What do you think about Tristane? Is he honestly in love with her or is there something else going on? He does seem to be a bit older than her, so. I mean, I don't know what honestly in love means. <laughs> <laughs> and I, mean,
1: I, I, in fact, I probably thought I had a better idea when I was a teenager than I do now. So I don't <laughs> think he's necessarily. So they know better than you they're teenagers, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's necessarily disingenuine, although he might be, but I think it's more likely he's just naive. Yeah. I also will say that I didn't necessarily have particular expectations from the Sand Snakes. Uh, I imagine in the books they're like touted and built up as these, you know, deadly warriors that on some level maybe they've been brought up that way in the show too, but not particularly. So, and also braun has been presented as an excellent warrior Mm -hmm. so however much a badass these girls are supposed to be i didn't feel it was like that crazy that he was standing up to him and i also feel like jamie as awesome as he was losing one hand i feel like they've played up too much how worse that makes him long story short i i wasn't so troubled with the action Hmm. not saying it was good and not Mm -hmm. saying there aren't reasons other people might be more troubled than me but I who usually do pick on action wasn't as bothered by that as I was by a couple of other things. One, I felt like the reaction time took too long. <laughs> no one shouted a warning, no one yelled help or guards or drop your weapons until they were right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> no one from a distance said, hey, they're fighting. Hey, call the guards. No guards from a rooftop yelled, you stop, hold it there. No one shot a crossbow. Like They were just uh, there all of a sudden. Suddenly, suddenly they him. were there, and then once 14 people arrived, then someone said, drop your weapons. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> uh, which again, sort of makes
0: sense. It could be a good way to do it. He's like, hey, let's like they're, they're not going to notice us. Let's make sure we have them surrounded so they can yeah. escape." It kind of makes sense. Uh,
1: and again, even that, I'm maybe I'm nitpicking, and it could have been done different or better. But the, I, uh, overall, I will say what's. I understand what they're trying to do with the scene. They need to get everyone together and get them captured, and we're going to have Doran talk to everybody. You know, yeah. so I think it was rushed and poorly executed. Um, kind of silly and for I them to get there the, at the exact
0: same <clears> moment. That was just yeah. Uh, but mm. <laughs> uh,
1: sometimes for the sake of adventure and excitement, you know, the the show is going to be about
0: crazy, crazy things happening, yeah. and here's one of
1: them, you know. But I was, there's a, the other thing that bothers me a little bit more, though. There's crazy coincidences in the books, too. It's not out of line. Yeah, yeah. But this thing that bothers me a little bit more, and the Red Letter Media review of the original, not the original, but the new set of Star Wars movies. Not mm-hmm. the new ones coming out, but episodes one, two, and three. Yeah. Something that the guy that does that review, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it's really funny. You should check it out. It's this like hour-long in-depth analysis where it'd be really easy to say George makes this stupid, but re- he actually goes into this analysis of character and plot development, all the elements of film and literature, and tries to really critically break it down. I
0: second that recommendation. Cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, one thing he does is he sort of man-in-a-street interviews, and he has people describe different characters, and he says, "Okay, Han Solo, don't 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 tell me about the character's job or their costume or what he looks like." Yeah. Right. What is the personality of C-3PO? And the people like, oh, C-3PO, he's timid, he's effeminate, he's nervous, he's uh, nerdy or whatever. Okay, Han Solo, he's, he's, you know, chauvinistic, he's cocky, he's bold, he's, you know, on and on and on. Okay, Qui-Gon Jinn.
0: Uh, yeah, no one had any answers. <laughs> They're just like uh, stoic. Yeah, like <laughs> tall, <laughs> yeah. tall. you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, nope, uh, can't use physical descriptions.
1: How about what? What was her name? The princess, you know, Amidala. Uh, yeah, uh, now the important characters. though all right. Describe her personality. What was her character like? She had. Makeup? No, uh, she was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I feel that way about these sand snakes. I can't distinguish one from the other. What? I don't know the. I, I vaguely know one of them has more speaking lines, so I guess she's more of a leader or yep. more
0: bold. Different weapons. Yeah. So, oh, I she's mean. the
1: one that has daggers. That's the way I distinguish them. Not none of them have really had much character developed. I don't care about them. I don't know who they are. I don't know if or why I should be rooting for them, and I just need that. I would rather have that. Then know that they have a dagger or know that they can beat braun in a duel or whatever else i want to know what's motivating them. why should i care about these characters maybe it's coming but so far it seems like they're just images on the screen and they're not going to get developed yeah they're, we'll just, see. they're
0: kind of caricatures yeah now a couple other characters a couple other moments so we we talked about um marcella and Tristain briefly a lot of that we'll just kind of have to wait and see how that develops Arya Hota, the big badass with the huge axe, that was the captain, the bodyguard, and the captain of the guards, mentions that it would be a good fight with him and Jamie if he was still whole. He, I thought, his acting I think is pretty good, although he hasn't gotten to do much yet. He's just been kind of solid, and I'm kind of looking forward to maybe seeing more of him. Any thoughts on him, or is he just kind of a uh, same kind of thing? He's not very developed yet.
1: Yeah, I at least with him, I don't think they're like trying to thrust him in our face, as a character he's almost literally been in the background until just now. He finally, like, stepped forward and had a a speaking line, and I won't be too negative if his character is simply the guy with the axe, or Stoic. (laughs) Uh, It would be awesome if they develop him more, but he doesn't, so far, isn't being presented as this central feature character, like these Sand Snakes are, so I was expecting more from the Sand Snakes than I am from him. We'll see. It'll be cool if they have him be developed better, but I feel like we've got enough, like, big, strong warrior characters developed. You know what I mean? I was hoping (laughs) to have a different type of character developed. But um, we'll see with that, too. Right.
0: And hopefully, definitely hope we get to see more of Doran. He's a great actor we know from other movies and TV shows. And I really want to know what his deal is. What is he up to? What is his plan? How is he going to react to this uprising? He's got... Jamie Lannister in his hands now. That's a big deal. He's if he's a man of peace, which he seems to be, he's not just going to chop Jamie's head off or his other hand off, <laughs> and, or his cock off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, <laughs> you know, they, the cock merchants are big in Dorne as well. <laughs> and Bronn though, what about Bronn? I wonder about that wound he received. The Sand Snakes are daughters of Oberyn Martell. Is there well, a chance he poisoned? was poisoned?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I had that thought, that fear. They definitely seem to kind of like feature it there and i make sure we saw that you know and i couldn't tell if it was a setup to the comment he makes is are sort of being arrested he's like you fight good for a little girl <laughs> you know i didn't know if that was like because you drew blood for me i'll give you a compliment even if it's backhanded or if that was foreshadowing to next episode when braun like is losing consciousness and
0: yeah the so one thing about me about that that made me think that she didn't poison him was because why would she get so angry at that insult she could just be like Dude, you're about to drop dead. I just poisoned your ass. You know, why would she be... She'd be more... You know, I don't know why she'd be upset about that.
1: Well, one reason might be because she's hot-tempered,
0: but... I don't really know. (laughs) I don't
1: even remember which character that was. I can't... I don't know, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if she's hot-tempered. Like, yeah, while we've only seen her be nice to, like, cozy up to her mother and and then fight. Yeah, truly, you're right. That's all we've seen. We know she wants revenge. We know that all the Sand Snakes and Ilaria had that said the Martell words, even though none of them are technically Martells. <laughs> so anyway, well, let's move on. Let's go to King's Landing. We have a lot happening at King's Landing. There's a lot of time spent here. So let's talk about first Lancel and Littlefinger at King's Landing. That was an interesting confrontation. What did you think about, did you think that maybe it was inconsistent that they let Littlefinger go? Or do you think there was more to it? Or just in general, what did you think about that about that confrontation?
1: I can see it being inconsistent, except I think that, A, there's lots of inconsistencies. I don't think it's writing inconsistency. I think it's a decision of the character or decision of the organization inconsistency. We saw a whole scene with Elena pointing out inconsistencies in Marjorie. You know, like, this, this. Yeah, but this, this. Well, you're the queens, da-da-da, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I feel like it's an indication on some level that there is a bigger plan, that there's coordination with Cersei. That uh, and in fact, that was that the even if on some level, Lancel might have wanted to take things into his own hands and get revenge on Littlefinger or assert himself or whatever. Littlefinger said the right thing. He's like, "I'm on my way to meet with the Queen. Do you do you want to let her know that I'm being held up?" You know, and Lancel's like,
0: "I'll get you later." He handled it well and with confidence. And don't forget that Lancel's the mention of Cersei is likely to get a reaction from Lancel. Possibly, he might that might weaken his resolve a little bit because he realizes. That that's his big sin, yeah. as well, and that and anything to do with her is might be that just bringing her name up might be the way to handle Lancel at least in the short term, because he's he, he's got his own guilt on that, and he also knows that there you know that hasn't come up yet. It, it's it's still a uh, kind of an under the something that we're kind of waiting to get revealed. Cersei's own bad deeds coming out and how that's going to play out, especially with how Lancel is involved in that. There was a little. Uh a really subtle little moment,
1: which, by the way, I've noticed a lot of really subtle little facial expressions that are a big part of why I love the show and certain characters. And the camera work, too, is that uh, Littlefinger was, like, approaching the foreground, like he was coming toward us. And in the background, we see Lancel and these other monks, you know, and he, his name is called. And Peter stops, and just there's this split second of expression on his face, because you said he was confident, or brave, or I can't remember. Yeah, he what didn't, he was, he a didn't, he was not intimidated. I think he was intimidated.
0: Oh, okay, well, he was. He but was he, at, he held was, his front.
1: Yeah. And he kept up the facade because there was this look in his face of so this, oh shit, you know. But then he like put on a smile, turned around, and said, "Hey, what's up?" You're right. I didn't mean yeah. that. He was uh,
0: feeling confident necessarily, but he was certainly acting. confident Played
1: the role properly, yes. but I, I appreciated that little moment. That little moment of editing and acting that let us see that in his face that he recognized there's trouble afoot. Yeah. I'm
0: in danger here. I better get my game face on. You yeah, know. you wonder how much he was warned ahead of time that this would be the case by his agents or by, you know, yeah. who knows or his or how much his, spy his own intuition, he probably understands in the first place what's going on. Yeah, I mean, know, we, right? we already know that he was cor- corresponding with Cersei. We yeah. saw that letter that Cersei was looking at just before she had her important meeting with the High Sparrow. So certainly Littlefinger is aware of some things. It's yeah. almost I mean, certain He that had he, guards with him. He wasn't just yeah.
1: walking around by himself. He yeah. wasn't walking around. He didn't go to the whorehouse to get laid. He was, <laughs> it was like... I had his guard his his guard up and uh, and I think and I wonder even if he didn't know I still think he's kind of quick on his feet and when he heard his name be called and his, just imagine in his mind he's like who's calling my name in the middle of the street yeah this can't, this, this probably is not was great. that Lancel <laughs> like, all right let me let's let me put this together and how am I gonna handle it you know like I, uh, I love that I don't necessarily like Littlefinger but I appreciate him <clears> as a character. I, much like many other characters. So while I'm on it, I want to point out there was a they showed it in a preview a scene with Roose Bolton that I appreciated too when uh, Littlefinger was talking to him. This is a quick little facial expression, but Littlefinger was like, you know, the last time that the Vale and the North teamed up, took down the greatest dynasty, da-da-da-da, and Roose Bolton was looking at his face is like, yeah, that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, like, was yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's a
0: way to talk it out there, buddy. <laughs> the other thing that the other... Uh, funny moment in this scene, or the only funny moment in this scene, I think, was Lancel saying that he's given up his family. And Littlefinger, of course, says it's quite a family to, to give up on, but coming from Littlefinger, that's really big, because we know Littlefinger's background is as, a, as, as somebody that kind of fought from a very young age. He was rejected for not being noble. And that's why he wasn't, you know, there was, it's a big part of his personality that he wasn't good enough to marry a noble, a noble princess, or noble daughter, not a princess. And much of his psychological uh, makeup is based on, you know, trying to out outdo and be better than these nobles that rejected him. And so that's a really funny comment coming from him. He's like, "You just voluntarily left the Lannisters, eh? <laughs> All right, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like you are crazy." And the other, the other fun—I guess there is a second funny moment when he—the difference between you know, we both have our fantasies. The only difference is mine happens to be entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, he's not a... He certainly... Littlefinger will make quips, they're cutting jibes right to people's faces even when they have the jump on him. You know, he's, he, said, he said that thing to Cersei way back in season one or two about where power ro- resides and how he basically just kind of took her... T- openly, you know, talked about how she was sleeping with her brother without saying it. And so, you know, that was very... seemed very... Um, Bold. Too bold, almost, mm. for a guy with, you know, no fighting ability. <laughs> but that's the character that we're faced with. So moving on, we have the reappearance of Olenna and Marjorie. I'm sorry, a reappearance of Olena with her great line of, uh, King's Landing smells like shit from five miles away. And she has her show now with Cersei, and for once she doesn't come out on top of a conversation. I guess Tywin kind of kind of came out on top of at least one of their convo's also, but this one that one was less clear and it was more surprising to see Cersei come out on top in 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 a conversation because she's not as good as Elena, but Cersei was very prepared. It was like she was ready for this conversation. She knew Elena would be coming and was prepared for all her different threats and and maneuverings and was like no you're you're not going to break this alliance just over this maybe she will later but not at this point and cersei was completely right yeah so what did, what did you think about that interaction cersei and Olena and, and all that i i thought it was
1: really good i was uh, i was kind of frustrated for Olena. And I almost can't help but wonder if it what like what would it cause to break the alliance? Because I, I, I do feel like this is about as bad as it can get. You put our heir in jail, you know, and maybe she won't break the alliance over this. Maybe not yet, but it won't take much more. And as we see, much more is coming. And so it makes me wonder what the heck is Cersei
0: thinking? Well, they're going plan. The, the problem is, and the thing about Cersei's plan that works is that the Tyrells can't prove anything. It's true that they know she did it. But remember, this is politics. They can't just... They will look like the bad guys. They will look like the ones that broke the alliance if they aren't able to prove that Cersei arranged all this. They'll be the bad guys publicly if they break the alliance with the Lannisters without being able to prove that Cersei did Except
1: this. it doesn't matter what, if they look like good guys or bad guys... If their kids are, it does. In jail. No, it
0: does. It, well, yeah, that's true. Their
1: house is just going to end. It won't. Nothing will matter anyway. It's from a certain perspective, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean,
0: if both Loris and Marjorie are dead, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And
1: if but Cersei gives well, them nothing to lose, and they're going to not, you know. That, gonna... but
0: but I'm saying that to point out why Olenna can't just do anything right away. Yeah. She can't yeah. just she can't react until the threat is a lot more apparent, which it did yeah. become much a little later in the episode after the trial. Once at that point, no one was locked up. Yeah. And and Cersei said the right thing. She's like, look. They're going to have their trial, and it's, you know, he's innocent, right? You know, yeah. so he'll get off. What are you worried about? And then, well, there, now, here, now you know what to be worried about. So I just want to say real quick how much I love
1: that line. When it, I even thought that Elena was maybe being slightly uh, too impatient or too insubordinate, the way she's kind of like tapping her fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you're not like, writing anything. Your Majesty, <laughs> I, I, I. I was, it was a very, I like, traveled very far to get here, and Cersei just didn't even bat an eye. She's like, you must be exhausted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even look up. Yeah. yeah. Pretty bad. No sympathy from she's Cersei. She's definitely, it's very clear that Cersei is thumbing her nose up. And a taking movie. a page out of her father's book, too, yep. you know? <laughs> And, of course, Helena was right. She wasn't really writing anything. As soon as she leaves her room, she's like, <laughs> puts sorry. the pen down, <laughs> stares away, is <She's> like, well. <laughs> now, Littlefinger and Cersei, we didn't really speak about that, specifically, and some of those, those conversations have interesting overtones. Of course, you can't trust Littlefinger. You can't when he says, "Oh, the Knights of the Vale are going to be with you," but his whole plan comes kind of comes out. I think this is maybe when he's finally being honest. He's he wants to be, he does want to be warden. Well,
1: there. he can be honest about
0: one thing and not about another thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I do think that this warden of the North plan is possibly what he's been after the whole time because he was never good enough for Catelyn but if he's good enough for Sansa this is basically he's becoming Ned Stark he wants to be the man he couldn't be that he was rejected as as a child and it's a childhood trauma from his perspective and he's finally it makes sense I know there's a lot of people who who have complained about Littlefinger's machinations and they say that and I can't say you're wrong if you're one of those people who feels this way that he's being too reckless with his plotting the only thing that I think is weird about all this... I think his plotting is fine. I think what he's doing is dangerous, but that's what Littlefinger does. He's 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 taking a calculated gamble, and he understands the flow of information, and he's doing kind of what we predicted. He We knew he would have to say something about Sansa, because that, it would be unrealistic for people not to find out, since she's not being concealed. She's not masquerading as Elaine or anything. She's Sansa. Uh, and so, kind of what we predicted. Littlefinger sets up the Boltons, and then... Acts like he's on the side of the crown and is like, look, look what the Boltons are doing, you know. (laughs) So this is his way to, he's just putting putting everybody against each other, conserving his own strength and acting like he's doing something important, even though he set up the situation that needs resolution. So it's very deep and subtle and pretty cool. But... I don't really know how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. really. it's, it could go a lot of different ways. You never know. Is, is he going to succeed? Is, is it going to work for him? Is Bolton's... Bruce Bolton is a wary man. He's probably, at least, on some level, isn't totally sold with Littlefinger as an ally. So he might have something uh, that he had in mind in case something like this happened. What are your thoughts on that? I've I certainly spoke on that for quite a while there. Yeah, I, I have wondered a lot about
1: this. And, uh, by the way, that is a neat thought, him wanting to, like, put himself in a place from his childhood. The person he had to beat was the heir to the north, right? Yeah.
0: Ned's Brandon, older brother yeah, yeah, he challenged him whatever, for a but. duel, which was crazy at the time, but he but, was a uh,
1: kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, one subtle note, too, I do remember in the book, you point out that Littlefinger doesn't have fighting ability, and I certainly don't think on any level he's a great warrior, but I don't know if it's fair to say he has no fighting ability. Because, and maybe I'm reading too much in it, maybe gears shift throughout the books, but in the first book... He was demonstrated as being somewhat nimble on the cliffside, traveling with Ned. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. And with the knife too. He was like flipping in his hand, threw it against the wall. Yeah, and he landed seems like he's agile, like, but there's no indication uh, that
0: he trains at and all. And
1: no, but but he did join that joust. He had some amount of confidence. I'm just saying, I don't think he's in the joust when he got cut by uh, uh, in the tournament early on, right? Didn't he? He didn't fight in the tournament. He Didn't find a tournament. How did he get cut?
0: How did that happen? Littlefinger.
1: Yeah. When did he get cut? Big scar up his chest. From... That was fighting Brandon. Yeah, he That joined... wasn't a tournament. It wasn't Th- a tournament? He challenged
0: him to a duel. He
1: just challenged him?
0: Yeah, because okay. he won. He loved Catelyn. He wanted Catelyn uh, I to I thought that him. was a
1: duel that was part of the tournament. No, okay. no, that was just
0: a straight-up duel.
1: Regardless, he has a willingness to fight and maybe some level of competence. Again, I'm not trying to say yeah. he's like a great warrior. I don't. Or anything, I'm not but, sure about that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's ever
0: like tried to be good with the sword. Com, I'm
1: just comparing him to Varys, for example. Remember,
0: it's, remember his early season season one. He talks about how that's not me. He's like, I, that's not the kind of person I am. I'm yeah. gonna win my way, and his way is not fighting and, and doing that. Anyway, was that was a, so time I, time I, I was imagine was really young, that when he was really young, because he was a ward of the Tullys, and all he might have been getting fight, he was getting trained, but. He, it may have been the fight with Brandon that, that showed that he just wasn't yeah, he wasn't yeah. Okay. It was like, whoa, I'm not good at this. Although Brandon was older and, you know, w- very well trained, so there's it's not necessarily the best indication. But he also, Littlefinger, is a small man, which isn't the best thing to be if you want to grow up to be a big fighter. So, oh, anyway. that said, Yeah, I, I still think that it's
1: uh interesting what play Littlefinger is going to make here. Uh, and I was going to say that moving to be handed the King is also following in the footsteps of the starks yeah. if you will if it, and i don't know what would be higher or more
0: honorable or more ambitious to be warden of the north or to be hand of the king
1: I mean, warden but, of north uh,
0: north is more realistic at this point although it, it's it's a bit of a it's kind of a stretch for anyone outside of the north to rule the north uh, because of the way the northerners are but i have to back off obviously on my prediction that she'll name him hand i thought that was a decent chance of that but one f- factor i didn't really consider is cersei just looks down on him too much she just thinks of him as low a little bit you know she just denigrates his she knows that he's important in some way, but she looks down on him in terms of his birth and all those things. Yeah. I think that is yeah. she's a little too snooty at this to to, to put him in that position. I think um, I could be wrong, but I and I, maybe I shouldn't back off of my prediction. But it doesn't look very good anymore. It does. It does. I do see what you're saying about I can her being maybe a little more
1: elitist. Yeah. Uh, a and B, she doesn't care who's in charge of the North. Screw the North. Sure, little finger. go be in charge of the North. She That's also doesn't
0: understand how the North is. Yeah. <laughs> And Littlefinger is kind of using that to his advantage. He's like, "Well, Cersei's kind of ignorant about all this anyway, you know. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just do my thing, and and she won't know." But whether or not
1: his troops are actually going to go support Stannis and beating Roose, or whether or not his troops would turn on King's Landing uh, itself, uh, whether or not his troops in Avail would follow him into any of these battles, one way or the other, I. I'm not sure, uh, and and especially when I start to wonder about, at what point is Ol- Olenna going to be like? That's it. You're not getting Tyrell support anymore. How easy will it be for Littlefinger, who already seems to be in cahoots with Elena to you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They've I, already, I think yeah, they already worked
0: together before. They might. Then they're now they're back in King's Landing
1: together. In fact, this mm-hmm. is what I think. I think that Littlefinger is feeding Cersei false confidence, and it, him and Elena are just going to easily just. It'd be pretty easy to bring her down at this point. She's kind yeah. of stuck her neck out too far. Whether or not, and she's Loras, <laughs> Whether or not Loras or Marjorie or Tommen
0: live through all this, I don't know. But uh, you're right. Yeah. one thing that could get out of Cersei's control really fast. Is you're right about one thing that I, I hadn't fully realized, which is that if Marjorie and Loras are dead, which you know that's a pretty big prediction to make. I don't necessarily see that happening. But if that does happen, then yeah, Cersei has no more leverage. Because the Tyros are like, look, we don't have our queen. We don't have our heir. Like, what do we, what's the, yeah. why? What's holding this alliance together? Not to mention, together? she's effectively got Mace, Elena's son. You know,
1: they, even the other potential of Mace having another kid. He's a, held by Marin Trent off of Braavos. <laughs> yep. You know, it's she hasn't left them with any real options other than, screw it, alliance is over. That's... You know, and, and who's going to team up with you against the Cersei? Mm-hmm. you going to get Roose Bolton to come down and is Stannis going to go? What about Balan? Maybe he'll, oh, no. What about the Martells? They'll be on your, wait a minute. If you have no ally. You can't
0: fight us anyway, you know? Yeah. Okay, so what about the actual trial? I thought this was pretty well done. Well, oh, that wasn't a trial. That was just to see if there was enough evidence for a trial, Aziz. You right. misunderstand. Sorry, that was like an inquest or whatever. So the non-trial. Now, that is, sets up some interesting possibilities, I was not necessarily expecting Marjorie to get wrapped up in that but it was pretty deftly done to get her incriminated. That was very well done as far as the writing and the way it was just handled by the faith in general. That High Sparrow is a smart man. He is clever and he got he worked that perfectly and really shows his authority. He's just coming again. Just put your swords away, guys. I don't know. I don't I don't he didn't even say anything. Just really, and I think, and the High Sparrow realizes that. He's a good, apparently a good judge of character. And I don't understand, one thing I don't understand is why Oliver is so smug. He was up there like, yeah, we did it. You know, yeah, we, we did it a lot. You know, like, they think this is a sin. Aren't you going to? Well, what are they going to do to you? He's probably been
1: promised something. Yeah, I don't They've know. If ma- promise may not be kept. Promise and it's, and I don't, made by zealots. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, the that. promise might have been made by Cersei. No, I don't no. want to take anything away from High Sparrow, but this seems to have been coordinated between him and Cersei. She yeah. was ready to go with her comment about what a slight like this is to her. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was like well, you're
0: probably right. I'm guessing Cersei made the promise. I don't think the High Sparrow would make that promise. He's yeah. just too much of a zeal to be like, "Oh yeah, well you, if you're yeah, well, you, you'll get off Scot free." <laughs> I don't think he might have said something sneaky, but he uh he, I don't think he would his character isn't going to outright lie, I don't think. So, at least we haven't we haven't presented that he's like that. He he's more of a yeah. I'm suspicious of him. I su-
1: at first I thought that he was going to be this purist, you know, champion of the faith and it, it, it there would be conflict between what he thought was morally correct and what Cersei wanted. But I'm starting to suspect on some level he does want, he, he does have ambition that maybe isn't straight up corrupt, but that he will make compromises. Mm. And that's all it takes. Yeah, it is. If, you, if we can get the queen prosecuted for sinning and let this random dude that no one knows or cares about get off... All right, let's make our bull move on the queen. You know, Mm -hmm. he he might be willing to make that compromise for the sake of
0: the overall faith or the overall. Well, technically, he has done that move on the queen. It's the queen queen mother that is still out there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, that's gonna be Marjorie.
0: He's able to get Marjorie. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. I I meant Marjorie, not not uh, Cersei. If
1: if we can get the the queen Marjorie,
0: and and but we have to let this guy go. Deal. Let's do it. Hmm. All right, Cersei. We, and there was a little bit of a reference there when Littlefinger's talking to Cersei where he makes that sly comment about, well, we, you know, the, the the odd companions that we choose or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's just, that to me, that's saying that, yeah, like along the lines of what you're saying about Littlefinger working with Olena, Olena's a better, the Tyrells are a better ally for Littlefinger than the Lannisters, even though the Lannisters have more power at this point, because... Well, Littlefinger can see what's happening. The Tyrells are, have better situation, like, as far as who's leading them. You know, he's yeah. like, Cersei is not a great leader, and she's in charge now. And look at all the stuff she's doing. She's already done this arming the Faith and all these other kind of bad moves. Like, he's, he knows he's good at judging which way the wind is blowing. And it doesn't look good for the Lannisters, but the mm-hmm. Tyrells are still, is, is, except for the da- these immediate danger to their important people, their power and military are still very strong and, and, and well- Never mind um,
1: the Lannisters' decision. debt to the Iron Bank. Which Littlefinger might be a little more aware of both. It's true, of, he has uh, how much it
0: is and what's it, what might be done about it. That's right. So. He, he's he's going to be aware of some of those things that, that Cersei isn't, and he's going to not tell her the things that that are most important. That you know that support his plans, things that he has plausible deniability for. Also, he's just he seems to see the thing about Littlefinger is that he seems to have some special technology. He seems to have some sort of teleporter where he can go <laughs> from location. Even in the earlier seasons, he was just. Goes to negotiate with the Tyrells. The next minute, he's, you know, way back north. And he's just, he always, he's, throughout the this, this show, he's gotten around really fast. Travels light? Yeah, he does. Travels light. Travels little. little travels little finger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's uh, move on to Winterfell. We have the scene with Miranda and Sansa. We have Sansa kind of being a little timid and then busting out with the her insight and saying, how long have you loved him? And kind of unraveling Miranda. who Miranda thought she was all like, ah, I'm, ah, I'm manipulating you and scaring you. And Santa's mm-hmm. like, you can't scare me. This is my home. And I think that this, this emphasis on her home is very important. And she's, she's drawing strength both from her home and from her, her own gaining sense of perspective and her own gradual maturity and her own realization that, she's got to do this on her own. You know, she's got to take the lead. There's not a lot of people out there that are just going to help her. And that's making her into more of, of a woman. And well, the, what did you, do you have any thoughts on Miranda and Sansa? And she, she kind of faced down the threats about the dogs pretty well. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, uh, I've said many times, I respect Sansa. I think that she's been in as tough a position as most any other character and has handled it as well as most any other character. But she's getting and, better uh, at it too yeah i I once again wonder how much of Miranda is Miranda versus Ramsey through Miranda yeah you know? did he uh, send
0: her uh, he uh, he she claims that he sent her there to do the bath, which is yeah made makes me think that he sent her to do the whole dog kennel thing, but we know from an interview with Ewan Ryan that that is not the case, so unless Ewan was just misinterpreting the script somehow it doesn't fit anymore uh so well
1: also. I don't know. He doesn't necessarily have to say, "Hey Miranda, take Sansa to the kennel and show <laughs> him." Show her. Show her so he, he could just drop hints at, "Look, mm. I want to torture this girl. Mm. She's my new toy. I still love you. You want to help me? Go <laughs> have fun." And then she does that, or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. And, and and in fact, in general, torture isn't always. Punch someone in the face. Tell me where the bad guys are. Punch you in the face. Torture is a lot of psychological stuff. A lot of incorporating other people. A lot of patience, and on and on. So, uh, and we've seen Ramsay <laughs> be quite torturous in many different ways. And I don't think it's beyond him to like have Miranda as a pawn in his game with Sansa, and uh, and she would certainly be willing to go for it. You know, yeah. maybe she's just doing it all on her own. I don't know. But uh, regardless, Sansa's one is facing some formidable people and facing them well.
0: Yeah. I agree. It's good to see it's not enough. I want to see her gain more agency. I want to see her get stronger just more than talking back to Miranda. That's not enough, but it is maybe heading in that direction. It certainly takes a bit of a step back in a minute here. Yeah. But if not a big step back. But let's talk about the wedding first. The the scenery in the wedding was pretty cool. Uh, the wear would look neat, the the snow coming down. Uh, this is that it was during that scene that I had the realization that that some of these dark girl scenes are they're all in darkness now at least for the time being it shows what these dark situations they're in but for very different reasons the darkness is is it ha- has a different meaning in both of their cases and I guess there's not a lot to say about the ceremony itself it was cool there's maybe not a lot to think about it as far as things going forward or as far anything that it will indicate for the future do you have any thoughts on the wedding itself
1: uh, I did have one thought. It occurred during the wedding when I was thinking about it, not quite so much about the wedding. Theon, uh, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, Theon is a very pitiful character, all right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I even, on some level, have tried to defend him early on. It's like some of the things he did, like in Winterfell, I felt like weren't different than what many other characters were would have done. And maybe it was disappointed to see it come Theon, but the idea of when you conquer someone that you're going to like kill someone that's insubordinate. Or kill off the line of the former rulers. It's It's a weird, crazy thing that Theon just came up with. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty standard stuff. Um, Not that I like it, especially because it was for him more of a betrayal than it would have been for a lot of other people, conquerors, you know? Definitely. And um, maybe a little more ruthless. And then the punishment we see him get is just so terrible and so extreme and so awful that.
0: It's balanced Some, by that, right? Sometimes <laughs>
1: we forget the awful things that Theon did, even if I try to justify them. But this is the thought that I had: is that sometimes the way Sansa is treating Theon, especially the way Ramsay kind of pushes it, having him having killed her younger brothers? As a viewer, people, I at least, and I expect many people might have this instinct: think, but he didn't really do it. He didn't kill your brothers. It's not fair. You <laughs> shouldn't hate him so much. He didn't kill your brothers. He killed two other random innocent boys. You know, <laughs> it's wait, still it's bad. still terrible. It's still <laughs> awful what he did. Maybe it's not quite as personal to Sansa, but it is reasonable for her to not care what punishment he receives. Although she might not fully understand the extent of the punishment. She, he doesn't, has know, received, yeah, she doesn't know everything. And she to might him. be starting to learn, as terrible mm. and awful and awkward and everything as it is. I can see how she might start to have sympathy for Theon, especially if it does get revealed that he didn't actually kill her brothers. She might have less of a personal vendetta against him. And That more, would help a lot, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had been wondering, supposing, expecting, that Theon was gonna that uh Ramsey was gonna do something terrible to Sansa, Theon wouldn't be able to handle it and just freaking kill him. And this was the chance and it still didn't happen. And I don't know if it's kinda like I feel like they were coming at John with a Hey John, here's an excuse to leave the wall. Mm-hmm. Nah, not gonna do it. Hey John, here's mm-hmm. hey, Davos, Stannis, everyone, we'll seduce you, we'll make you Lord, whatever. No, not gonna do it, not gonna do it. And I feel like they're doing the same thing with Theon, just terribleness and opportunity after another for Theon to like uh, revolt against uh was- Ramsey and and here is about as extreme as it gets, and still not taking a chance. How brainwashed is he? How
0: far can Ramsey go? And that, that's a good complaint that I've heard about this scene, is that they've made the rape of a young girl about a dude's character development it's over (laughs) you know it's 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 like yeah uh, that's kind of i can't disagree with that i did that didn't i didn't catch that on my own but when i saw that i was like oh yeah that is kind of true it's not completely like i don't fully agree with it because on one hand they just didn't want to show that which i kind of think if they're going to do it they should show it because they it's supposed to be awkward and disturbing and they should give sophie turner the chance to Show how to do her facial acting, which she's quite good at. So, but instead they went the route of just you know you could hear her anguished noises, and they didn't maybe you know maybe they thought they were giving us a break by not showing it. But Theon's face is just so terrified. His facial acting is just so good that with the sounds of anguish coming from behind, it still had that impact, almost as if we did see it. So they, in the sense, they may should they may, maybe should have just kept it with Sansa. And it made it more of her moment instead of giving so much of it to, to Theon. So that's a that's a mild complaint. Also, I just I just think the show has had enough of this. We've had enough rape. You know, I don't think we need to see it anymore. We get it. It could have been done another way. We could have even yada yada passed it and just implied that it happened. It, it, it's a little, it, it, there's just a little too much shock. Play. And that's why I felt deflated partly too because it was at the end and it was, it was like, ugh. And really nothing like,
1: else to come away from other than the terrible dark feelings.
0: Yeah, and it's and it, I know that some of it's inconsistent because look, there's worse things that have objectively worse things have happened to characters in this show by a lot. But those characters we haven't been taught to like or it, it, we we haven't been made to like these characters. Sansa, we've seen her since she's like literally like 11. Watched her grow up. You walk, go back and watch season 1 now and, and imagine her as that actress being in a rape scene and it's like ah, i can't even think about that so i just don't want to go there in my brain and that's you know i understand that they're trying to put to trying to make awkward situations and show that this is realistic and this is what ramsey would do like i don't have any complaints with the fact that they wrote it that way given that they chose to take the plot this way but they just didn't have to take the plot that way they didn't have to show it to us that way there's lots of other things we could have seen and also, if they just hadn't done so many rapes in previous season, this one would ha- would would fit better. Wouldn't be like I wouldn't be like ah another one, you know. So I don't know. I'm this is this was my chance to vent a bit. I'm sure a lot of you out there wanted to vent too. So so you can take my venting as you know sympathy for your ventings. And and Sean, uh, you go ahead and do your venting if you have any venting to do. <laughs> I uh, I mean it was it was an awful
1: scene, but to me I didn't. Um maybe have a different perspective or maybe it, it didn't bother me as much as it should, but the show is about a lot of dark stuff and yeah. they're showing a dark thing. And I don't think it was shock per se, because I feel like you almost expected this to happen.
0: And yeah, it could have I, been worse uh, too, honestly. Right. Yeah, not that that would have been good, but yeah, <laughs> it could have been worse. And I think that
1: on some level, what they want to do, they, they're, they want to make, it sounds so awful to say this and for me to be okay with it, but I'm trying to just keep in mind it's a work of fiction. We're trying to develop stories and characters. They didn't really do this to someone, you know? Right, right uh, of course. Yeah. And they want us to see how terrible it is for Sansa. And on a lot of levels, marriage in general in these societies in these situations are imprisonment. I think I said that before, and it often is just being raped or being betrothed in a marriage or just being sent off to prison To rape a prison, you know, and uh, we need to see this tragedy for Sansa. We need to see what Littlefinger has left her to. We need to see how bad Ramsay is, need, in order to progress these characters in these stories. You know, we don't need to watch this TV show. But (laughs) if you choose to watch this TV show, which is R-rated about corruption and death and all these dark things, well, this is going to come along with it. It's not like, and it's not like the show's only about these things, too. There's been redemption. There's been victory. There's been positive notes, if you will. But this is, I think, one thing that's happening in this scene is we're seeing how far Theon can be pushed. uh, Seeing how far Sansa can be pushed. Mm -hmm. Um, We're seeing a, a loss of innocence by Sansa. Like, up to this point, she has been able to resist basically being raped through all these terrible situations. And here she can't. And yeah, Littlefinger yeah. pushed her too far. Will she still be an ally to Littlefinger? I don't know. Will Theon be able to handle Ramsey doing this continuously? Um, I think that they want to make Ramsey worse than Joffrey. I think that they want to have as bad as Joffrey was,
0: Ramsey's worse. And he's uh, an adult, and like Joffrey wasn't fully grown up. That was, you know, he, he hadn't fully developed his psychosis and madness and his wasn't an adult yet <laughs> and wasn't
1: directed toward
0: women either mm, uh joffrey true.
1: seemed to, to maybe really having not gone through puberty maybe he was gay but he seemed to be almost asexual yeah he just, he just wanted to he just wanted to be
0: abusive and torturous he was turned on by being cruel rather right. than by sexual things yeah. so um <laughs>
1: obviously it's all bad and terrible but it's kind of like i was saying before it's bad and terrible things that Ramsey is doing It's not like if someone made a movie about Hitler, that the person, it's not like Spielberg is a bad person. You know, he showed us some terrible things in Schindler's List, but it's a movie about terrible things. That's the way Spielberg or whatever filmmaker has to do it. And I, I will concede that there's some way it could have been done different and better. Sure. But I don't think they were trying to find a bad, terrible way to do it. I got it. This is the worst writing we can do. This well, is how, writing you know. was good. I thought right. it just wasn't. It was just I didn't uh, see it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying everyone acting wants was great. To see that's it or part should, of why I was so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not saying everyone wants to see it or should want to see it. And like you said, many worse things have happened. And. Um, it's, but it was just tougher when it's you're so much more familiar with these characters when a bad things are happening. I mean, battle scene after battle scene, scores of men are just dying, and you don't walk away from that episode thinking, "Oh, so terrible, the men that died," you know. But they did. We don't think about it because we don't know those men. And sometimes men do die that are that we do know, and it's still bad or sad or terrible. But sometimes people are terribly tortured. Think about what Joffrey did to the the women that Littlefinger sent him. Oh, and yeah, had them that was horrible, but we, didn't, but we didn't see right. it. What well, we, we saw a it lot afterwards. Of it. We, we, saw, saw we saw the, the effects. We saw the spanking, we heard the cries, you know what I mean? Then afterwards we saw the death, but I didn't think to time it, but I, I think we probably only saw 10-ish seconds of, or saw her 10-ish seconds of Sansa being raped there. We saw at least 10-ish seconds, maybe a full two minutes of Drawfrey having those girls torture each other, right. you know?
0: It's uh, a difference between, it's a very hu- human thing. Like you say, it's not, it, it's it's from a logical perspective, just from looking at it, it from a consistency standpoint. Yeah, there's been plenty of worse things that have happened. There's been plenty of awful things that have happened. But it's still, there. there's something to be said for how, what they're aiming for. They definitely wanted people to feel uncomfortable in that scene, I think. They definitely wanted to, yeah. to get a reaction. And I'm not saying they did it just for shock value. If they did, it, If they wanted shock value, there's a lot of things they could have done to make it more shocking. And they could have had Ramsey do something far worse than he did. But there's a there if you using the example of like the random soldier that dies in, in war, sure, that's random. But if you see that same soldier laid out on a table and you watch the torture of this guy, and you and you learn about who he is, and you learn about his backstory and, and his parents and how he grew up and like his pets and all this stuff, that's gonna make it make you feel it more. And with Sansa, that's the thing is we've been following her for five seasons and we know her really well and we don't have that investment in these other characters cuz she she's also kind of an innocent that's the other thing is like you you it's different We're, like here's a thing here's a good example P- human human reactions D- go think back to the episode where the white walker was carrying the baby through the snow that episode got a lot of reaction from people because of the sound of that baby was making yeah yeah and that, is, this is, that it's, a, it's a deep human thing that it is not logical. It's not meant to be logical. It's emotional. It's not It's not bound by logic. So it, I, I can't break it down like that because I, I don't say... That's why I can't come out and say, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Oh, they shouldn't have filmed it that way. Oh, they shouldn't... Have, just like, I just really... Do, I just didn't want to see that. And a yeah, lot of people yeah. feel that way. And that, to me, says that they made a mistake. If a lot of people just didn't want to see it, then they shouldn't have done it.
1: And I can relate to that because on one hand, you're talking about the innocent side, and which is true. But also the laying them out and going through their backstory and seeing them being tortured, that's also makes it worse. And they did that with Theon. They specifically spent like yeah. a quarter of the season too, right? Like having Theon be yeah. tortured. And yeah. I didn't like that season. Oh, I, I didn't hated like that. those scenes. Yeah, yeah, I hated that too. I didn't too. want to see it. it. I left the room one time. I turned my eyes. And yeah. so, I'd, I, again... I don't, maybe it was a mistake. I don't know how many people felt the same way. This is up there with those scenes, I think, to me. Yeah, definitely. This is worse than those scenes, even. Uh, Except we had like every episode we had one of those scenes. If every episode (laughs) Ramsey's raping Sansa, I'm not going to want to watch the show anymore. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think that's going to happen. But, (laughs) yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, this was the first time that I really wasn't terribly excited about rewatching the episode. I always want to watch the episode again, even if I'm like only okay on it, because there's always at least some things I really want to like. But thankfully that scene was at the end. I just stopped. I just yeah. stopped the episode I'm like, okay, I watched the wedding and I stopped there. I at the same
1: fake scene, <laughs> I I watched the time because I wanted to see how long it took for the guards to show up. <laughs> and it was about two minutes. Like, uh ah, two minutes, ah, two minutes for the guards to show up to the prince's protection. How long would it take Kingsguard to show up next to Tommen? At, they already showed
0: how, <sighs> how weak the protection at the water guard was. Yeah. They just walked right in. Yeah. Like, yeah. All we need is these outfits and we can get in. But you know, but that's so.
1: what, when I rewatched the episode, that's what I was looking for in that scene. And when it got to the scene with Theanna Ramsey, I just fast forwarded to the end. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, I have to, I, I, again, sorry, I don't want to defend the scene too hard. I, I think I, maybe I'm just playing devil advocate because there's so many people that had apparently had such negative reaction to it. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm trying to see the other side or find the silver lining, but um it was definitely frustrating regardless.
0: Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to our questions. We have a lot of great questions from listeners slash watchers, which I've been dubbing watchiners. First of all, Another great way to support the show, we've partnered with the site DraftKings.com. That is a way to play daily fantasy sports. Rather than drafting a team and playing all year long, you can draft every day. Drafting is the most fun part of fantasy sports, in my opinion. And you get to—you can play for small stakes, large stakes, and support History of Westeros along the way. If you do sign up, let us know. Then we can maybe we can play some games together. You can do that by going to historyofwesteros.com and clicking on the link in the bottom right corner that says play fantasy baseball with Aziz and enjoy. So have fun with that, folks. DraftKings is now a official partner of Major League Baseball, so that's kind of, it's kind of. I was surprised to hear that. You know, you've got like a semi-type, gambly-type organization that's actually partnered with a legit sports organization. That was kind of surprising, but that's where it is, so that means they're going to get promoted a lot. The games are really good on there, lots of money to be made, and lots of fun to be had. So... Go sports. <laughs> Go sports. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. Let's have. So we got some great questions here from watchingers We'll start with Amy Tasso. Uh, Sean, this question is for you. What was the hardest scene for you to watch? We've kind of just covered that, I guess. Sansa Ramsey is one suggestion. The Red Wedding or Ned's beheading. You mentioned the Theon torture scenes. So let's say, assuming that is the worst for you, tor- Theon torture scenes, is that the worst? Maybe in the, the Sansa scene, maybe is a little bit up there or kind of equal. So let's, set, let's say besides those, then, if those are the worst. Unless I'm wrong, if those It's tough
1: to say. Yeah, I don't know. I, this is a, I haven't thought about this question, uh, and it's interesting. It's kind of it's like, what makes it a good question.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: but, for example, what, one of the toughest things to watch was Ned getting killed. But you didn't know it was going to happen when it happened. And I think that's part of why the scenes with, with uh, Theon being tortured were so bad, because um, especially after like the pattern had been established... Like, the first one, not none of them were good, right? But the first one wasn't as bad. But by the third one, like, all right, I know what's about to happen here. I don't want to see the, yeah. you know. I probably would have to pick, I don't remember each one individually enough, but when he's like, I will say in general, I have a hard time. It's tougher for me to watch a scene, and I'm guessing I'm not too unique in this. Mm-hmm. It's harder to watch a scene where someone is having something painful happened to them that's easier to relate to. Something like having your head chopped off or even having your cock chopped off. It's like, ah, that's just like a thing that happens on TV and movies, right? <laughs> but like, I've had my finger smashed in a door or sliced open, da-da-da. So the idea of Theon, like, having his toes, his feet crunched in that machine or his his fingers being chopped, those are like a little more tougher for me to uh, to stomach. And yeah. uh, and when you kind of know what's coming because you've already seen Ramsey do these things...
0: Those are probably the toughest. Yeah, you things. knew that Ramsey was going to do bad stuff. It was only a matter of what. But what about yeah, Ned's beheading You didn't see coming either. What yeah, about the red was wedding? Was that
1: red <laughs> wedding was obviously tough, but again, you didn't quite see it coming. It did drag on for a while. The toughest moment of that for me, I think, uh, actually, was when when Caitlin cut Walter's uh, wife's throat. Wife's throat. Because that was like. That was Caitlin losing her innocence, if you will. That was, you know, her making a promise that she shouldn't have made because now you have to keep it. And she did and died for nothing. And, oh, oh, that was all pretty terrible. But as far as, like, sitting through it and watching it, especially because sometimes even the terrible scenes, they're very... There's lots of tension to them, especially when you, something happened without violence, like the way Joffrey would cheat, treat Sansa sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was like a little awkward or scary to watch. But when it gets to actual violence, especially when it's kind of been built up to and you kind of know what's coming and you can believe it's happening, relate to it on some level maybe, the toughest thing, and it drags on long enough, I think it was actually when Joffrey had those girls torture each other. I think that might have been... Yeah, that was This is not, not necessarily a
0: thing I want to dwell on too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, okay, hey, let's move on. Next but, question. So let's talk, okay, we have Clayton Gardner points out that there's, we, we mentioned the parallel between the Roos and Ramsay childhood chat that was very similar to Tywin and Tyrion, but it it's also an interesting parallel to Shireen and Stannis. That's a pretty neat thing, where we have this parallel of Stannis turning out to be a, actually a good father, after all, whereas Roos is just being, cynically motivating his son for his own ends, I think, just like Tywin was motivating Tyrion. And I, I, I didn't really catch that. That's a pretty cool parallel. It's like a counter, it's like point-counterpoint, like, Stannis? Pretty good guy, Roos, Bad guy. Yeah, uh, that's pretty neat. The a little, a little under, under parallel. Did you catch that at all, or did you, con- did you consider the pa- I, comparison between those two scenes? I didn't
1: particularly catch those, but there was. I did have some notes, some thoughts that I had um, okay. from the prior week, or maybe developing in my head in general. One is, I feel like there are, are a, a few kind of thoughts kind of coming together here. One, mm-hmm. at one point we had half a dozen at least different people on some level contending for the throne. Yeah. Uh, you had Joffrey, Renly, Stannis, you, you could know, say... or five kings. Uh, Balon was fighting for Balon, reason, his own independence. Right. right? Yeah. Danny, maybe even you could count Mance, you know, yeah, like... Yeah, sure. Um, so, and, and, you know, lots of these different characters being developed in different ways, but it's really kind of like the field's been narrowed quite a bit now. It's... I, Tommen, who isn't really being featured much as a character, really Cersei really fighting for Tommen, you know. Danny, who isn't so much even vying for the throne of Westeros at this point, maybe as a long term kind of thing, but yeah, no, still trying yeah, anyway. to be <laughs> trying to be a leader, if you will. And Stannis, who is probably most actively vying for the throne, right? Yeah. And some interesting differences and similarities to these characters. One. Cersei and Danny's council is dwindling away. It's down pretty much to just one each, right? So <laughs> maybe two. Cersei has Kyburn and Pysell, and she's trying to get rid of Pysell. And maybe she's on some level bringing Littlefinger into the fold, but she's pretty much rid herself of almost all her her closest uh, advocates. Even Marin Trent gone. You know, Mace mm. gone. da mm. so on. Danny has also lost most of her close counsel, but she did send Drawer away. But other people have been like killed off or endangered or whatnot, rather than being sent off like Cersei. Stannis didn't have as much counsel in the first place. His dad was Melisandre, and his dad was but in he's kept him near. <laughs> yeah. And another difference is that Cersei, for the most part, doesn't really listen to her counsel <laughs> in public in a meeting. Everyone will say what they want, but then she's just going to do what she wants to do anyway. Yeah. And in private, she'll tell him off left and right. Danny, in public, everyone's like afraid to say anything to her. In private, they'll console her. They'll she'll listen to what they have to say, although hit or miss whether or not she listens. Mm-hmm. Stannis listens to what he's told. He, he takes does. the counsel of his counselors, public or private. The, Davos is not afraid to tell Stannis what he thinks. Hey Davos, uh, hey Stannis, I understand you might sentence me to death for this but I'm telling you how it is. Yeah. Melisandre is like, hey, you might want to sentence me to death for this, but you can't because I'm powerful and shit. <laughs> so listen to what I have to say. You know, mm-hmm. like People are on some level, I-, I want to say willing to stand up to him, but it's not so much a willing to stand up to him as they know him well enough that he will listen to the good advice even if it means their own peril. They right. trust him, respect him enough to put themselves in danger to give him the right advice. And he is willing to listen to it. He's not prideful enough to be embarrassed about changing his mind or being called out in public. He's going to listen to the advice and, and make it a good decision. He's willing to change his mind. Interesting differences between those three characters, their counsels, how they deal with them. Now, a little bit more back to this question, I think I made the parallel last week about the difference and similarities between Stannis, Tywin, and Roose. And yeah. how they're all sort of cold mm-hmm. um, yes, but in are. the end <laughs> stannis is good and uh i do appreciate that i think they all get good dialogue they all are wise clever intelligent you know their interactions are entertaining but in the end i think stannis is a good man and uh you i, I certainly find myself rooting for him <laughs> uh there's a part of me that like Wants to have roost scenes. He's also a man of few words. He gets a lot more across with a lot less dialogue. That's true. Uh, but it's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. His subtle expressions, his little one-liners. Stannis gets his fair share, too. It's
0: true. Stannis actually gets, I'll make a very rare, not really book spoiler, but Stannis is a lot funnier in the books. He's got yeah. a lot of great one-liners. He's never He's never trying to be funny. But. <laughs> he is. But he just is, yeah. He's. I think he's. Uh, I Shay and I recorded an episode called "The Wit and Wisdom of Stannis Baratheon," where we go through all these great quotes of his because we actually think he's funnier than Tyrion or Dollar's Ed or any of these other guys. But you'll have to watch that video to see if you agree with us. Now, Sir Pohi points out that something that none of us had caught—very good catch. It's—it doesn't have major plot implications, but it's very cool to notice. Remember when Kyburn was found? Do you remember where he was? Harendale. Here he was found at Hall right. on yep. a based on a pile of corpses. Yeah, who killed nice. everyone there? Sir Gregor. Oh, that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he's experimenting on the dude that Had should have killed, killed him or tried to. Somehow kill him he survived, him, yeah. and Kybern made that that strange. like, she says, "Oh, you're lucky to survive." Talisa said, "Oh, you're lucky to survive," and he goes, "Yeah, lucky." You know, like so he like he did something. We know I don't know what he did. He he made it clear that it wasn't luck he was like playing dead when he dosed himself with something to make himself pass out or I don't know but uh, that was pretty interesting nice little connection there Uh, My2Penneth wants to know who is sending news about Danny to Castle Black and elsewhere. We briefly touched on this before. We just we didn't really have a good answer. I've thought about it a little bit. Could it be Varys? Could Varys be kind of preparing the realm to know who she is? Getting you know letting letting it be known. Certainly Varys knows where everybody is for the most part. If he knows Maester Aemon is up there, he might be like, well, I want to let him know. He's a he's a Targaryen. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, it could I be actively- Littlefinger sowing chaos, getting people afraid. Maybe if, if 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 he gets little if he gets Cersei and the Tyrells and Stannis to worry a little bit about Danny, that might slow them down a bit. Maybe that's good for him.
1: I didn't actively think about this. Uh, I think I did have like sort of a flashing thought thinking about it actively. Now I'm wondering if maybe there was some intent or design or someone might have been motivated. But I sort of assumed that it was just like a routine transfer of information. Mm-hmm. That maybe even that the Meisters are just. Take it upon themselves to educate each other about the news of the realm. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's likely or ever discussed in the books, but it—that's sort of what I, in the back of my mind, assumed is, is just standard transfer of information among the meisters.
0: Yeah, it could be. It could be that that's that's definitely possible. <coughs> it's it's worth thinking about if there's anything else to it. But yeah, it really could just be the the meisters. Okay, uh, Dennis Duffy, twenty first century beeper salesman. Nice name there. I wants you to compare. <laughs> The scene that you said was one of the worst things Danny has ever done, if not the worst thing she's ever done, to nailing 163 slavers up to posts and suggesting uh, that, that yeah. might have been quite a lot worse. Yeah, because they were actually they actually died in pain, whereas this guy at least died quickly, and there was more of them.
1: I will. Here's a, I think that's got to be worse. Except here's a couple things. Thoughts on it. I still think that is worse. I that, that didn't occur to me, and it's another example of something that's. Terrible. That's that's more terrible than (laughs) Sansa being raped. But it was so. It was done uh, to people that we hate. They're slavers. We only really kind of saw it happen to one person, and we didn't really see it happen. It was people we didn't know anything about. Yeah, they're just kind of. And they were kind of default bad guys, so it's okay to do it to them. They're all slavers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we all have slavers. Yeah, (laughs) they're all slavers, right? All of them, for sure. Is it possible that any of them, like their dad, just died yesterday, and they inherited, and they didn't want to be a slaver in the first place? Did any of them get a trial? You know, it's so, possible.
0: It's absolutely possible. Uh, right. No, it, and that's the point that his daughter was trying to make. Right. And that right.
1: makes it even worse for her to have done that. I yes. think. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's the second worst, or the hundred twenty-second worst, or how many people were? <laughs> One hundred sixty-three. One hundred sixty-fourth so worst, worst thing, thing yeah, she's yeah. done. <laughs> Man, that I dropped mean, it down the list a lot, yeah, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> it wasn't so bad, honestly. <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, Interstellar Dwella wants us to bring up the a, a good catch that some people noticed that we haven't brought up. Frankly, I didn't notice it. They're the woman that sets up White Rat, who is the Unsullied that we see at the beginning of the season, ends up having his throat cut. That's the same woman that pretends to be crying that leads the Unsullied into the ambush in episode four, where Barristan is killed. So... There's not a lot to say about that other than, oh, nice catch, and hey, folks, keep an eye out for her. She also, is. you can't trust women. <laughs> <laughs> and so keep an eye out for her. Maybe she'll appear. That might be like a clue. If you see her, I don't know, at, at the wedding maybe with, with his dar and Danny, you might look out like, oh, there she is. So keep an eye out for her. Yeah, that might be kind of like the, talking about the,
1: the angled screen when the bad yeah, guy appears, yeah, the next yeah. time We're she like, appears, oh, it she might is. be like a clue that something bad is about to go down.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Something to keep an eye on. A very subtle job by the show there. We, might, we probably should have caught that, but we didn't. And yeah, I'm glad. So, once again, good job to Inastella Dweller bringing that up for us. Acre Frey wants to know if there's any chance that Cersei engineered the whole necklace thing to get Jamie to go to Dorne. At first, I thought, eh, probably not. That's probably where it came from, Doran. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, who in Doran would have sent it? And I can't. I don't have a good answer. Doran wouldn't have done it. He's not looking to make threats. He's trying to keep. He's trying to lay low. The Sand Snakes. Why would they want to let people know that they're threatening the, the princess? Ilaria. Same logic. So that's that. Logic me... might not apply to Ilaria. The Sand Snakes. They, it's they, true.
1: they might be trying to coordinate this secret thing, but they might also be impassioned and angry and want to make a threat and they might also be impassioned angry and want to make a threat and then realize after the fact actually let's do something secret you know it's yeah
0: so. So, it's, so it's so both both I think both positions are, are reasonable to to or to at least consider both of them possible I don't think that Cersei engineered that but it is definitely possible and the more I think about those motivations the more possible it seems but I wouldn't say for sure one way or the other I do think that's an interesting idea and a few other people suggested something along similar lines. So good job, I guys. I haven't considered it all either, but as I do think about it, it is one more person for Cersei to get
1: rid of that she's upset with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's kind of a win-win. Either Jamie, damn it, Jamie, piss me off. You do these things wrong. God, just get out of here. You know what? If you die, I don't care. If you don't die, I get my daughter back. It's a, a win-win for her. So it's not like she's beyond
0: being that conniving either. So. <laughs> Okay, folks, that's all the questions we have, but stay tuned after the credits coming up here to hear our thoughts on the trailer. We watched the trailer a bit and have a few ideas on what's coming up in the next episode. won't get too deep into that. We don't want to spoil things, but of course, we don't know what's coming, so if we spoil something, it's only because we made a really good guess. So let's say here. Thanks to our Patreon supporters. Our Hand of the King and First Lord, Cash Craig, a.k.a. Vaxus, on the History of Westeros Forums. Our Warden in the North is Lord Parker, the Bastard of Starkville, Breaker of the First Stone. Our Master of Coin and First Counselor is Lord Robert Jacobs. Our Master of Whisperers is Lord James the Scholar. Mass uh, Grand Maester Itai wears the Jeweled Collar of many medals. Rosie the Clever is our Master of Laws, and Lord James Tuttle is our Master of Ships. The History of Westeros Night's Watch Lord Commander is George the Golden. Our King's Guard is commanded by Lord Commander Shepard. Sir Troy the Steady swings the Valyrian steel blade fate as the history of Westeros King's Justice. Lords of the Realm, Lady Dyrlaz of Castle Nocky, the Alpha Patron. Lord Nathan of the Firefort and Dan of the Red Mountains, Lord of Great Bell and Breaker of the Second Stone is our newest Lord of the Realm. You're going to get a cool nickname like that and get your name mentioned on the show... Check out Patreon.com slash History of Westeros. There's also other benefits like access to scripts, getting episodes early, and other fun stuff like that. We're also always trying to come up with new fun benefits, new things to give back to you watchers who do so much for us. So if you have ideas on that, you're more than welcome to send us feedback. It doesn't just have to be suggestions about the actual plots of the TV show and books. We're definitely open to suggestions on how to run the show and things we can do to make it better. We're going to have a new camera soon. That's nice. Look forward to that. That'll be a nice improvement. More cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. We have no cowbell in this show at all, so that's a very big overlooked thing. All right. Trailer analysis. Let's talk a bit about the trailer. So, folks, if you don't want to get spoiled on what might be in Episode 7, we'll talk to you later. See you next week in Valor Morgolis. I will say there's
1: one thing I wish I had brought up earlier that maybe we could talk about here. I, I wanted to think about what was going to happen with Jamie and... uh Oh yeah, and, uh, uh, where is he going to go? Well, okay, down well, that there probably right won't happen front. in the next episode, but this is a decent yeah. spot to talk about it. Um, just because uh, now that you do have them all together and all captured, and I'm I'm kind of expecting some sort of a trial or maybe an inquest, and not an official trial. Are they going to like kill Jamie? Are they going to just send him back home? Are they going to kill Alaria? Are they going to like what's going to happen to Marcella and Tristan? Maybe Jamie will be there to give Marcella away at the wedding. Like, uh, <laughs> I want to hear more about Doran and his intentions and plans and see, I'm I'm hoping to see his personality play out and maybe not, I guess it's not going to be this next episode, but soon, you
0: know? Yeah. He's the one major Lord who we don't know what he's up to at all. We know what Stannis is up to. We pretty much know what Bolton's up to. I mean, Littlefinger, we can never be too sure. Although, for yeah. once, maybe we have an inkling into what his endgame might be. And or we at least, least know, know enough game. about him to make guesses about it. Right. But, uh, the, you know, the Greyjoys have been kind of shuffled off to the side, but we know what Balon was after. He was after independence. And... Same thing with Danny, although Danny's you know sojourning in Marine. She wants to you know get rid of the slavers, and she eventually wants to come to Westeros. But yeah, Doran Martell, we don't know what his deal is. We don't know what he's up to. What's his plan? What's he thinking? What is his? What's his? Amb- Does he have ambition? Does he want revenge too? Does he? Is he taking the slow and steady route, or is he just like, nope, my brother got himself into this trouble. I'm not gonna get my whole country involved because he fought in a duel. Of his own choosing. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's this whole idea that he was murdered is ridiculous. He was not murdered. <laughs> and so that's an interesting thing. We'll, so we'll have to see where that goes. But how much will he give up to not go to
1: war? Or will he just send Jamie home with his tail between his legs? You know, like... Uh, Cut his
0: other hand off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of the other things. Well, actual stuff in the trailer. We, we have some scenes of the Night's Watch, which makes sense. We didn't have them at all this this episode. We see John riding out with Tormund. We see people complaining about that as it's happening. Thorne mm. is is bitching, and so is and Ollie has this massive frown on his face, and Sam is being threatened. Like I hadn't really thought that's something I hadn't really thought about. And Alice or Thorne riding are with John gone, Sam being in more danger. I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me at all, and, and Gilly as well. And Gilly, yeah. So, yeah. You know, any any predictions or thoughts on that, or anxieties? <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: I, I, I kind of. I think what I hope and expect is that he will be. These will be issues presented to John as the negatives, but then none of them will play out. Okay. What well, we'll see, but that's sort of what I expect. John will be leaving with all these fears about what he's leaving behind, but we're gonna get more focus on what John goes to do more so than on what's left behind. Okay. That's sort of what I expect, and it, the nature of how he returns. That will cause things to play out. If he comes back and they've joined forces, and sure enough, the White Walkers are on the way, and Stannis needs our help. And you know, but if he comes back and there were no White Walkers, what are you afraid <laughs> of? And the wildlings ambushed and he took Stannis's ships, and now he's screwed. And uh, you know, then that's how John, in my opinion, you know whatever people are worried about now won't matter till he comes back, successful or not successful.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about another scene we see. We see Marjorie in prison looking kind of haggard, which to me says that some time has passed. She's been in there for a while, which means that apparently Tommen will remain somewhat helpless and isn't going to be able to get her out. We might be faced with some sort of trial. We don't know how it's going to go with her, but rescue doesn't seem imminent for her. Any thoughts on Marjorie? In, yeah, I don't in know how long
1: it takes to start looking i start to look haggard after a day or two without a shower i can imagine in jail (laughs) before times of running water she might start to look haggard pretty quickly yeah the fan and given
0: the way the high sparrow walks around in that you know burlap sack he's not going to give her she's not likely to get a lot of comforts yeah even though a lot of highborn captives often often do get comforts doesn't look like marjorie's getting those means which really what they're doing, going to do to loris and other things is probably not going to be great either but we'll have to see There does seem a lot more, uh, we see Stannis' camp, less of snow. We see basically him state that we're going to march and fight the Boltons and win or die. Pretty simple. We're not giving up. That's how it is. We're going to have this big confrontation. So we're set up with a... What's interesting is that we're set up to have this big fight, apparently. But there hasn't been anything. To tease that there's an actual battle scene. Nothing in any of the trailers. Nothing in any of the preseason stuff. Nothing. Ah, there's no nothing I've seen that indicates there'll be a battle this season. You know why? It's what? not gonna be because <laughs> Melisandre's gonna
1: sacrifice Shireen for a demon spirit that kills Ruth Bolton. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's my prediction anyway. Could I don't be, know. Could we'll be. See. So that is interesting. There, there does appear to be indication of a battle happening elsewhere. From trailers and scenes, but it's not—it does not seem to have anything to do with Stannis and Roos. So, yeah, that's that might be a good guess. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Maybe
1: it'll be the opening scene of next
0: season. You know, maybe we'll yeah. start off next season with start the Battle of bang. Winterfell. Yeah, that'd know? be pretty cool. I do like the idea of Melisandre doing another shadow. It's been hanging over us for a while—the possibility of that. She's, they she, brought
1: Shireen with them for a reason, yeah. I assume. You know. there's
0: been two. She's unleashed two shadows so far, and both the people she unleashed a shadow against died quickly so it certainly seems like that's got to happen again anyway so Bolton versus Stannis not a whole lot to predict there just looks like they're headed for a big showdown and they're really trying to emphasize that now Sansa and Theon talking together and she's telling him that they have friends in the north just the fact that she's talking to him and kind of conspiring with him is interesting of itself because just in this last episode she was like you're not touching me so my thoughts one thought I have on that is that maybe Theon is, like you said, maybe Theon has revealed to her that her brother's alive, that brothers are still alive, because that would certainly help them like she's still not going to like him, but that would take away a lot of her reason to hate him. a lot of it. There'd still be a lot left, but that's a huge thing taken off of, off of the shelf there. And, but it's also the fact that they're both just in a really horrible situation and there, who else is going to help them but each other. So it could be a little of both. could be just this, the latter could be the former. What's your take on that? Well, there are other people to help them. Oh, um, yeah, there's the common. They don't realize yeah. there's Brian and Podrick. That's um, true. They don't either. There's no, also other common that. people,
1: but they are on the inside of people. They have the ability, potentially, to poison Ramsay or yeah. you know, escape in the middle of the night or something like that. With each other's help, they might need Theon knows when Ramsay goes to bed or where Miranda's at right now or something
0: like that, and he could tell Sanson. It might be time to light that candle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, folks, that is our episode for today. Thanks for joining in. Thanks again to Sean of House Beard for joining me and being a great conversationalist and analyst of the show. I'm really happy that we're able to do this book slash show combination. Somebody that knows the show and somebody that knows the books, it's worked out pretty well. I didn't, I didn't ever expect it to, to go this well, and, and a lot of you guys out there have given us great feedback saying how much you like it, so thanks for that. Keep it coming. Keep the questions coming. Keep all kinds of feedback coming. We definitely appreciate it. We read everything that you guys send us, even if we don't respond. Because we'd rather be focused on making the next episode, which for the most part, I'm sure you guys agree with that. And during the season, of course, we stay very busy with two episodes a week. We've actually got another episode coming out. Although a lot of you guys, if you're only show watchers, you're not going to be interested in our episode on... A Winds of Winter spoiler chapter but that is one of our that is coming out very soon from us so be on the lookout for that probably about next week around the same time so thanks again everybody and we'll see you next time Valar Margolis